welcome to the NDRC podcast, where we speak with entrepreneurs and investors from right across the startup ecosystem. In this episode, we hear from Dermot Byrne, co-founder of Equiratings, a technology company looking at data analytics across the world of equestrian sports. Dermot recently spoke on a panel at NDRC, alongside Lucinda Kelly from Property, Julia O'Donnell of Medit, and NDRC's Angela Duffy. Hi guys, I'm Dermot. Um, it's really impressive when you hear the two girls doing it like that. One of the things you do learn in NDRC is to be able to do, you know, to do the elevator pitch. And I get so excited when I talk about it that actually I go on and on. So I'm going to really stop you. I'll yeah, stop no, you. I'll stop you. I actually have to really try to keep this short. But when we came, um, we were, so we were the same as you. We were uh, summer 2017, and it was just myself. Uh, one friend and one of the guys who's in the room, Sean, was with us. There was three of us at the time, and we have an equestrian data business, um, sports data, um, primarily in, we started in eventing, um, and we're beginning to move into the other equestrian sports. We didn't think we would go to racing, primarily because that was probably the only place that we felt analysis was being done well, um, around, around the gambling side, from the Paddy Power side. But actually, we realized that all of the big federations, whether it was from a governance point of view, so um, in racing it would be the BHA, which you've, may have been in the, or you may have seen in the news with the, with the equine flu, there, there's no data going on. Nobody actually is making any decision based on data, which we've seen across the business world and across probably every mainstream sport as being a key driver of decisions. Um, we had an opportunity about four years ago. The guy who set this up with me is an international event writer. He also was in, in university with me and understood data and analytics. I was working as a lawyer. Uh, I was in Arthur Cox. Every night I used to talk to him about how much I hated it for two or three years. And then after a couple of years of that, we decided we'd go and start this together. Um, we didn't really have a great plan, but we did have a great market opportunity. And I think that was probably the main reason that we ended up here. And that was probably the big benefit of us coming here. We got a lot of early traction. We began to work with Olympic teams. We began to work with some big clients before we came here. But we didn't really have a plan. We just had a big opportunity. Um, and a big part of the journey, and I'm sure it's part of what we'll talk about this evening, was um, firstly, the bit where you have to say yes to an accelerator because you, you are going to be taking a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, that's certainly one of the things that I would be really strong on in terms of NDRC. And the second bit is actually what's the tangible piece that you get when you come here? What's the bit that actually puts the big opportunity or your big idea into a, into a tangible plan? The accurating story so far is one of opportunism and success. Here, the highs and lows are told, from rocking up to an event one day and presenting live on BBC the next. I think I would start our evolution, you know, through the journey probably just before we came in because I think that probably gives NDRC the most context for us. When we started, we, as I said, it was nobody using data at all well in the sports, the equestrian sports that we were looking at. So when we started, even on our very, I think the first tweet from Equitings, when we started, I had Sam who, was it, who started this with me, and he had an Excel sheet of scraped data and very basic data, and we were focusing on one event, 
which was a major event in the UK. And we began to look at averages and how many times certain people had been at that event. So all this really basic stuff that we, you know, it just wasn't out there at all. And I sent the first, I'm not from an equestrian background, by the way. And like, I, I, lo I grew up loving horse racing, but I didn't know anything about this sport really that I was looking at. But I had this one page of data. And I began to tweet about that event. And at lunchtime that day, the commentary at that event, there's 250,000 people at this particular event in the UK. So I think outside of NASCAR, it's one of the biggest spectator events. And, and the commentary box called me in and said, like, who are you and what is this? Because I was putting up like predicted scores and they were all pretty close. It was only based on this very basic concept of past data gives you your future, you know, future performance, past performance predicting future performance. Um, but that led basically on the first day we ended up in the commentary box of this event. Second day we were on BBC. Uh, a month later, we had a big event in Ireland who asked us to manage, to manage the commentary at that event. At the end of managing that commentary for an event, the Team GB came to us and said, like, you two weirdos seem to know more about what's going to happen next in the sport than anyone else. We'll come and manage data for our Olympic program for Rio 2016. So we were like, this, this is so easy. Our business is class. <laughs> so, um, it was kind of off that backdrop. We, we signed a deal, it was an exclusive deal. We didn't have anything else um, to sell for the rest of the year and we designed a, a risk rating, which is actually the product that helped us move into a kind of a, a global sense. We looked at, rather than focusing who was on the top of the sport, we began to look at, well, if we can predict the top of the sport, maybe we can predict the bottom of the sport. And we literally, in a way, turned the algorithm upside down and began to predict what is now a predictor for horse falls. And essentially, if your rating is below a certain number, the governance of the sport say that you can't enter the competition at that level based on your risk rating, your past performance, predicting future performance, but focusing on falls. Anyway, getting to the point, we, we were selling this. We had international clients now. And when we applied to NDRC, we were sitting, you know, similar to this. We didn't really know why we would join. Um, and I would go back again and again and again to how I felt at that time and how I feel since is the really big piece that I learned here is that you don't know what you don't know. So I wouldn't have joined. Um, and I had opportunities to take funding before that, like from an Enterprise Ireland route with CSF that I, that I, I didn't take because we had started our revenue journey and like we had we were just managing small in Carlo. We began to win awards because we were in Carlo and there was less people to, to compete against. So suddenly we got awards and we began to pick up prize money at these things and suddenly we had a little bit of prize money and we had a little bit of money coming in from our first couple of contracts. And I didn't know why I would join an accelerator. I didn't know why, how or why I would use money that could be provided by an accelerator. I didn't know what it would look like or why it would be. So that was the context that I came to it. And then, you know, to finally get around to answering the question, the evolution of, of where it got me to was really around the, the plan. And that concept of you don't know what you don't know. Like you mentioned the relationship with Alan, and it's the same relationship with all of the mentors here, depending on, on, on you will have a one-to-one -one mentor. That's kind of like a personal trainer type relationship. It's the bit where you're like, I know that I have to do it and I will get round to it, but again and again and again someone will say to you, the real boring part of business and the bit that actually turns you into the Telefonica deal is that you've got to have a product pipeline. 
you've got to have a tech roadmap. You've got to have a business plan that isn't just the one that you download and you fill in competition and you write a few lines about other people and product and you write a few lines about your product. In here, you get to sit with someone every week that says, like, well, what is your tech roadmap? Like, genuinely, I did not have a business plan. I did not have a tech roadmap. I just had a really big opportunity. Go back to that so often. And I got grilled for weeks. Big challenge. I'm sure we'll come on to the challenges of NDRC, but that was a challenge because I wanted to keep selling. We were really good at selling. We had loads of clients. But suddenly, I had to build a business from the ground up. NDRC's Andrew Duffy takes over now, looking at the tricky decisions facing entrepreneurs in startups that are already turning over money, making sales, but perhaps are a little adrift in the tide. The whole idea of NDRC, or any accelerator, is to help get businesses to the next stage, wherever that may be. We see that pattern, and actually probably more and more, where people are on a path and they do have a business. Um, it may be ge- you know, generating revenue for them, um, but they don't know what the next leap forward is. Uh, so we're always looking out for that in particular. Someone was asking me what my role was. But we look out for, you know, you, you're competent, maybe you have a team, um, and there's a competency around technology, but you also now don't know how to to best place a bet, uh, where to direct your focus and and your team's efforts and energy. Uh, So you see an opportunity, or many of them, um, but how do you sort of work smart? How do you, you know, uh, really take that step forward to to become global um, and to make the most out of what you have? You're small, um, but that doesn't mean you you can't play on a global stage and you you can't uh, make an impact in the industry you're targeting. It's important to think about, you know, which uh, part to target uh, and to show success in. Uh, again, the pattern uh, that is actually most successful is, is to prove yourself in one area uh, and then to expand you know, left and right or whatever direction thereafter. Uh, but proving yourself in any setting, um, but definitely in the startup scene in one area, um, and then replicating uh, is, is the best model to move your business forward. So yes, some of the others, you, w- you would have seen that as well, where coming in here, um, there is, there's definitely some type of uh, plan and vision I often ask people about what they think it is, and you know, when they step in, it's something um, they can talk to, but it generally changes. Um, and we do set you uh, out there to come back with a global-facing a global, a global facing plan and strategy around the business. Every business faces challenges, be that hiring, implementing business processes, or, in Ecurating's case, time management. How does a company already successful in its field handle these obstacles? I think hiring, I think, came a little bit later for us. Um, I think the biggest challenge is the time management side um, because literally we had to build a business around us. And I don't don't think it was actually that we were probably half-assed about it in any way. I think it was probably just because our days already felt like they were really full. And then you arrive in and you realize that someone is asking you to do five-year financial plan or whatever it was we had to do and that you know that was just one week there was one of these every week um, and you're trying to do what you've been doing for the last six months or a year which is you know your days are probably pretty full already in terms of how you feel you're growing so the really I suppose the biggest challenge was suddenly for the first time you were put in a place that like when we talk about building businesses to scale like what, does it actu- like, what is the actual practical first step of building a business to scale? It is about having this range of 
agreements in place, having a slide deck which helps you explain how you start in one market and move to another. It is about having a process that when you're onboarding an employee, that actually you don't have to start from scratch the second time, that you've got this onboarding process and manual. And these are all the things that like building a business to scale actually means. But when you start, so we were in Carlo, myself and Sam, started like in a side room of his house. And then, you know, within a couple of months, ended up in the NDRC being asked about what's our, you know, what's your onboarding process for your first set of employees? Like, of course we don't know. So of course, find a slide deck and you'll get one. Somebody will talk to you here and you just take that slide deck and you apply it to your own business. You put in your own logo and you learn what it is. And now you've got that. Now that took a day, two days, and that's only one of maybe 100 or 150 things that you do in that first couple of months. But now you've got an employee onboarding process. Now I would not have done that if I was just in a room in Carlo because it's, I don't know what I don't, I don't know what I don't know if you know what I mean. I'm not, never gonna bother putting that in place. So the challenge was your days are already full and now you've got to build a business to scale and that is uh, as hard as it should be. You know, like if it was easy, it, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be so much fun and it wouldn't be worth anything. Um, so that's the challenge, but you have to hope that if, you've, you know, if you want what you, I think you will want if you're in this room, uh, you know, that journey and the hard work is worth it. Finally, Dermot discusses the hidden benefits to the accelerator model here at NDRC. For Ratings, authenticity stood out. The link that you make amongst your peers, um, you know, you can, you can have, you know, I think that's fine. And I had a good group, uh, <laughs> you're great. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we had a good group and you do share information. I would say the other side for me that I found great was the, um, the top down side being very genuine. So you're having dinner last week with Dermot in London. Um, my venture lead was also Alan, so you know, it's, it's a very real relationship that goes way beyond what, um, if you think why any of us are in this, and if you go and talk to, you know, anyone that could invest, Enterprise Ireland, uh, any VC, any angel, you begin to think, like, what's their metric? What's anyone's metric in this? And everybody will have one, including all of us. So what, what's, why are you doing it, or why is someone investing in you? And I would say, for me, it was very real in that we didn't know at what point or when we were going to do our first uh, round of investment. That's no good to NDRC in one sense, because they want you to, they're, they're literally training us and setting us up and putting, and I, met, I have met so many investors, and I've put in front of so many investors because I have a business that is investable. And I would say the biggest thing I could say about NDRC is at no point did anyone ever put, on, put me under any pressure to say, but you're going to do it soon, aren't you? Because they absolutely, definitely must have taught that, <laughs> and probably should have taught that, but everybody said they'll do it in their own time, the business is still growing, you know, the business is in a safe place, I know that they've said no to certain investors, I know that they're waiting. And they'll just come and talk to us. And it's very real. It's not a case of we have a sit-down meeting with someone in NDRC to say, okay, um, 
what are you going to do? We actually just, they're there beside us and we have coffee and say, I just didn't like your man and we'll see what happens next. But it's very real, which is actually a really important thing when you're trying to work out all this stuff on your own or with someone for the first time. Um, I would say that would be the biggest takeaway for me, that it's real people who actually care about your business, which I don't think is out there everywhere.